0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: This is the Conversation Hour.
0: On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
1: how do you talk and prepare children for a potential disaster like a bushfire? How much do you discuss with them? How much detail do you give? And what's the best type of language to use? Today, Emergency Management Victoria are launching the warning system and they're calling for all ages of the community to understand how that system works. And that includes children. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning Daniel Miles joining you from ABC Warrnambool. Dan new education material is being released today so we can try and understand our warning systems everything for bushfires, floods and storms. Turns out at the moment we have both floods and bushfires happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason why Emergency Management Victoria at at a tiny primary school in Gippsland. They're at Tulu which has only got around 140 kids. There's going to be a lot of story time involved and there's going to be a lot of information and education, but that's all done on purpose.
0: Yeah. G'day, Rish. It's it's funny. It's probably never been a more important time to start talking about readiness for disasters and things like bushfires. Even though I look out the window here in southwest Victoria and it's grey and drizzling, we are heading into a season which people have been told to be on high alert. We know this could be a really dangerous season. And it's really interesting talking to children about this because there's a certain level of nuance that's required, isn't there? They need to be informed but not harmed or scared because we, we don't want people and young people particularly being fearful of going out and enjoying, you know, the great outdoors because that's one of the great things about Australia in the summer. But there needs to be, a, a, I guess, a level of nuance to it. Yeah. And what I find really interesting is some of the big names that they're calling on to try and actually do this. Not only is it you and I talking about of course. This. We are the biggest of names. But Play School's Justine Clark, and there is no bigger name in the world of children's entertainment than Bluey, who's also involved. But one thing that's really interesting... You mentioned story time. You've got a story in front of you right now, Rish.
1: Well, the the use of books is Mm so helpful when it comes to starting really tricky conversations with kids. I know I've done it when it came to body image at a really Mm -hmm. early age with my daughter. I was thinking, how do I raise this? And then I came across a fantastic book, and it works. You know, all those milestones of parenting, books just help you get through it. So I'm holding in my hot little hands here one of those classic sort of hard card oh. books, you know the ones?
2: <laughs> yep. And it's called
1: yep. A Camping Trip Takes a Turn. So it's all about a family that goes out camping and then the weather starts to turn and they need to know what to oh. do. Can no I read spoilers you? alert. Come can on, Rish. <laughs> can I read you one little page? Please. There's a great picture of an AM radio and it says, and if you need to pee, just do it in a bush and I'll give you my phone if you please just shush. Mum says we need to go back and leave now they turned in the they turned on the radio to learn what to do and how. And that will be a part of story time today. It's going to be read by someone from Emergency Services Victoria or the Emergency Management Victoria as just a part of that education campaign because the fact is kids are getting this information. They often mm-hmm. see the news, they talk about it. So you don't want their imaginations to run too wild. We need to be able to give them those facts. So how yeah. do we do that?
0: I love that. I I just started grinning as soon as you started talking in rhyme as well because it is such a really accessible way for kids to take on this information in a safe way. And, you know, those rhymes really do sit and... They find a home in your imagination. And and like you said, if we can do it in such a way that feels not only accessible and understandable, but safe and done from a really early age, because, I mean, this is a generation that's going to be facing a lot more disasters than you and I. It's going to become a lot more commonplace for them. So if we can give it to them in a in a digestible, safe way, then you know they're going to be so much better prepared for life as it, as, it, as it is going to be going forward.
1: So how do you balance the truth and information with fear? As we know, children's imaginations could make things worse. So how can we do that? Have you spoken to your child about a fire plan? How did you do it?
0: On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
1: This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Daniel Miles joining you from ABC Warrnambool. And in the studio, Bryony Towers, who's the founder and co-director of Leader. Bryony, you're a socio-cultural psychologist. You specialise in risk communication, community-based emergency management and education for disaster risk reduction. You couldn't be a more perfect person (laughs) (laughs) to have... The studio with us. First things first, do we talk to kids or how much information do we give kids and how much do we hold back? Really
3: good question. In my practice and my research, I really try to enable the children to lead the process as much as possible. So when we're talking to parents and, and families about involving their children in their bushfire plan, um, I always say to start with what we call a curious conversation. So what do the children already know? And I do this with children as young as five or six years old. Um, so what do they already know? Do they know what a bushfire is? Do Just they know? ask them that question. Yeah. What do you know? Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. start with the real basics. So... Yeah, ask them what a bushfire is. Ask them if they know that they're living in an area where there could be a bushfire and what's their understanding of that. And they'll start to talk about, well, yes, there could be because there's lots of trees and grass and leaves and all of these things that can catch on fire. And so even from a really young age, children have already kind of been exposed to um, fire in a way that they know that they're living in a high bushfire risk area. But as you were saying before, their imaginations are very vivid and what they imagine is often so much worse than the the reality. reality. And so by having those curious conversations, parents or teachers or anybody, grandparents, anybody else who is engaging um, children in that bushfire planning process can get a real sense of where the children are at and there's one thing that we know from the research, and that's that we need to know where the children are at before we do anything.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a really important point, And it leads on to my question, Brian, is are we producing a book like this because kids don't know what to do? They don't understand the difference between one warning and another. And given that this is going to be a regular part of their life growing up, is this something that we needed to address? And that's why we've gone to this young age group?
3: Yeah, so we know that warnings and learning about warnings is really important in terms of managing children's fears and anxieties around bushfire. So when we talk to children, we often find that they think a bushfire is going to come out of nowhere and that they're not going to get any warning and that their family and their friends and their pets and everything else that they care about is going to be in danger. And we find that when we actually give children an opportunity to build their understanding of not just what those warning systems mean, but how their family or their school can use those warnings to make really good decisions in response to different levels of bushfire threat. And it's not just those bushfire alerts. It's cat- It's the fire danger ratings as well. Children really mm. value learning about fire danger ratings.
1: And it's not just the child, it's also for the parent to know where to start that information or that conversation as well. But it's looking back at when you were talking about a kid's imagination and how far it's already gone before that conversation has started. I'll never forget, we did a lot of work with Norman Swan during the early days of COVID on the conversation hour. And we did a special show with kids so that kids could ask all of the questions that they wanted to ask to Norman Swan. Now, most of the kids had already thought the Worst case scenario, and their fear level was off the chart because they had seen the news and they'd heard the conversations. And one child asked Norman Swan, "Is my entire family going to die?" Uh-huh. Mm. Because that's what that little boy thought, and it floored Norman of all of the stuff that he has done. He was like, "I can't believe that that's what that kid was thinking." So you have to presume they're thinking the worst.
3: Mm. I remember that episode uh, of the of Corona Cast. And um, I remember one child asked if they could catch COVID off their dog or their cat. And that was a really interesting question. And I think sometimes by engaging children in these discussions, children ask questions that either we might think, oh, that's a bit of a silly question. I'm not going to ask that. But we find that it's the questions that children ask that are actually really beneficial for household bushfire planning. So, you know children saying things like what's mum and dad going to do what's what's grandma and grandpa going to do and the parents haven't thought about what grandma and grandpa are going to do and we've got an example in one of my studies where that actually required yeah the family actually went and completely redeveloped their whole bushfire plan to include their, <laughs> Pets their elder. and men and
1: and things that are yeah. important to them
3: yeah. yeah so kids are great at identifying risks and solving problems when we involve them in a way that is suitable for them
0: so, uh, Bryony, we're going to unpack this over the hour, but there's probably a lot of parents listening at the moment going, okay, I, I need to start this conversation. I don't have that book on me. What's the best way to, to really start this conversation with young people so that it's both effective uh, and not going to cause any harm or traumatise them? How do we How do we start that conversation?
3: Mm, I would say first educate yourself. Really important that Um, if you are going to be involving your children in a discussion about the household bushfire plan that you've actually had a discussion amongst the adult family members in your household about what that plan looks like and that you're actually satisfied that that you've got that sorted because children really want to see that the adults in their life know what's going on know what's going on (laughs) that they've they've got the information (laughs) they've educated themselves so I would say for anybody um yeah that that's the first step
1: Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Your co-host this morning, Daniel Miles, joining you from ABC Warnable. And in the studio, Briony Towers, who's the founder and co-director of, Lead- of LEADER. She's a socio-cultural psychologist specialising in risk communication and education for disaster risk reduction. And today, we're talking about how to do that with young children, how to have those really tricky conversations that maybe we haven't even had ourselves. How do we have them with young children and how do we do that? in a way, well, let's face it, that's not going to freak that child out and not going to make the situation worse. Beck Simmons is an ABC Gippsland reporter and today she is at a tiny, gorgeous little school, a school of around 140 children in Gippsland. She's at Tulu. And, Beck, tell us where you are. Are you sitting on a a small, tiny little chair on a tiny little table... With tiny little children.
4: <laughs> um, look, not quite. I've actually gone the opposite. I'm at standing at Electon where they usually host the school assemblies. Uh, but I have been chatting with lots of kids, lots of very friendly kids who are very curious about why we're here today. And also very curious about all the emergency services vehicles that are lined up on their basketball court outside. There's a beautiful shiny fire truck. Uh, and lots and lots of, uh, yeah, vehicles with lots of people in uniform. So I think they're all pretty excited to see these people in uniform.
1: Have you had a chance to, to speak to the principal and to the kids about what they know and understand, what today is going to involve?
4: Absolutely. I've got Kerry Hughes here. She's the principal at Tulu Arm and I'll also be speaking to Chris Stevenson. He's the Deputy Emergency Management Commissioner for Victoria and he's actually a local. He lives just down the road. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they've got to say. But I might start with you, Chris, today. Um, why are we here? What is it that you're doing?
5: Oh, thanks, Beck. And it's um, actually great to be at Tulu Arm Primary School. I just, can I just thank Kerry and your team for having us here today? But today we're launching the Australian Warning System Community um, Education Initiative. So it's really about starting to target those elements of the community, especially our children, and really give them an insight to what the warning system means here in Victoria.
4: We've been talking about it on the Conversation Hour so far this morning and listening to it and you know it's it's something that parents often find very tricky. How do we talk to them about emergencies without freaking them out? So I mean given that you've got kids who have been to this very primary school what is it that you tell them?
5: Oh for me it's all about preparedness. It's about making kids familiar with what they might experience, but also let them know that, you know, if they, if they understand the warnings, they understand, you know, what they need to do as a family. Um, mum and dad are really clear on, on what they'll do if there is a bushfire in the area or a flood or a storm. So if, if we talk to them about this before the emergency, there's a much better chance that they're not, you know, aggrieved when we do actually eventually see an emergency, which kids will in this part of the world.
4: Mm. Yeah. Now, tell me about this new warning system that you're launching here today.
5: Well, the actual warning system is the Australian warning system, but what we're launching is a series of uh, videos and books and social media posts um, to really... um reach into the kids and get them to understand what that system is here in Australia. And it's a system that's not just designed for bushfire, it's designed for flood, it's designed for heatwave. And if you're in Queensland it's designed for cyclone as well. So it's really about getting them familiar with the the whole warning system in Australia.
4: We've had a fair few events here recently. I'd I'd really appreciate it if we didn't end up getting that cyclone warning. Um, And you'll be reading this book out to the children. It's written by Justine Clark and it's absolutely fantastic. I'll just give you a little snippet of it there's a fire nearby the yellow warning sign has some advice they need to stay informed but dad doesn't think twice now that seems very familiar um (laughs) what do you think we can tell kids about making sure that you know we we take things seriously we don't go camping when it's really um you know we're at a high fire danger threat
5: Oh, I think um, kids have got a big part to play here. Um, they're usually <laughs> fairly honest with their parents, and I think if we if we teach them well and say, "Hey, have you checked the weather before you decided to go camping?" Mum and Dad will check the fuel in the car and make sure they've got all the food and camping gear. But if we could just prompt our kids to say, "Hey, what's the weather look like? Are there any emergencies in the area or potential emergencies? And if there are, if there are, what are we going to do?" And I think that's a really simple some simple messages we can get our kids to help prompt their parents or their carers.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to check the weather and then make sure that we've got enough cocoa pops and um, two-minute noodles to get us through in a cup just with boiling water for the next few days. Kerry Hughes joins me. She's the principal here at Toorloo Arm. Now, you are in a high bushfire risk zone and we are coming up to a time where we know that it's going to be a high risk. It's heading into summer, but it's... We're more risk than we were last year, for instance. Now, looking back, you've had fires in this area, haven't quite come to the school, which is great, but how do you prepare the kids? Do you kind of integrate it into their curriculum a bit?
6: So I guess having that experience in 2019, um, we've learnt that continuing to storytell and actually make children's, uh, what they've pre- lived previously, make that real for them and that it's okay to talk about it, just brings it to the forefront again and it doesn't become something scary because everyone's still here and we're all okay. So um, that's probably the thing that we learned from after 2019. And building on from that, we continually talk about it at assemblies. We have our own um, emergency management systems here in our school and we can then just say, and so does the state and this is what we're looking out for, So it's about normalising it for children and making sure that they're really well aware of what our emergency procedures here are at school and what they then mean for them. And I think schools are also just a really good place for educating the whole community. We can get to parents through our newsletters. We can help explain it. We can send the messages home with their children, as Chris said, um, and help educate families as well.
4: Fantastic. What does it mean to have this event at your school?
6: Yeah, this was a really great opportunity just to bring it to the forefront again, particularly at this time of year that we know we're heading into a potential bushfire season. Um, And then, again, the kids will be curious. So getting them back into class classrooms and answering their questions and just making sure that they're feeling confident and safe in what's going to potentially happen over the next coming months
4: okay and i'd say when it comes to school holiday periods and you know bushfires do actually come it's probably still all hands on deck this would turn into a bit of a relief center i'm assuming
6: Uh, we haven't had to do that we haven't had to do that but i tell you what we do get a lot of questions from families and we do become that the front of a lot of the questions so us being informed and knowing what to do is also vitally important.
4: Thanks so much for your time this morning, Kerry, and thanks very much for having us here at Toolu Arm Primary School. We've been speaking with Chris Stevenson, he's the Deputy Emergency Management Commissioner and Kerry Hughes, she's the principal here at arm I'm Beck Simmons. Back to you, Rish. And there?
1: Thanks, Beck. We'll come back to you in just a moment. I know it's coming up to recess so, you know, that's the most important <laughs> part of the day, just quietly, is when that recess bell goes. That's Beck Simmons there, ABC Gippsland reporter. And Chris Stevenson, it was just getting all limbered up there as Beck said. He's the Deputy Emergency Management Commissioner and he's going to be holding story time at Tulu today. So precious on. No pressure there whatsoever. <laughs> Bryony Towers is with you as well. Bryony, there's lots of nodding from you there, listening to the Principal in particular. A Tiny primary school, only 140 kids. It's just around that Lake Tyres, Lakes Entrance mm-hmm. catchment for people that don't know the area of Gippsland. How important is the role of school and educating the kids? Because quite often it's the kids that then come home and say to mum and dad, have you got a bushfire plan? Mm-hmm. Mm. Is that the role of the school? Well,
3: schools have a fundamentally important role to play in educating children around bushfire simply because the curriculum provides so many opportunities um, to address the topic of bushfire in ways that are really meaningful and engaging for children. Um, So we know with the work that we do in schools with our curriculum aligned project-based learning programs that we do in high bushfire risk areas, the teachers can't believe how engaged the students are, and often really interesting, it's those students who are uh, tend to sit on the margins of the classroom, the students who don't usually get involved in you know the academics or the social side wow, of their learning. And it just brings everybody in together. There's something about that topic of bushfire that is just so intrinsically interesting for students. And then when we position students as <clears throat> um, genuine stakeholders, in bushfire risk management, and we say to them, look, you have really valuable local knowledge, you have really valuable um, knowledge and understanding about how children think and and how families in this area live their day-to-day lives. Mm. When we put children in that position of actually being able to identify problems and, uh, and, and develop solutions... They do an amazing job and it gives them such a sense of safety and security, but also pride. And meanwhile, teachers and responsibility. are ticking. Oh, there's, yes, yes. They actually take it very seriously. Mm. Meanwhile, the teachers are ticking off all of this curriculum.
1: <laughs> so they love it. Win-win.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sense of empowerment is obviously really important as well. And that's actually something that Jan has given us a call in, in Terralgan. Good morning, Jan. Uh, you've Good been listening morning. to the conversation. What would you like to add? Um,
7: I just that we live in a rural fire-prone area um, out of Charleston, about half an hour out of Charleston. And um, when our kids were little, the role of this local CFA, they used to always go to kindergarten. They always went to the primary school twice a year. Um, and with our four kids, we always had a plan, and every child had a role. They all, depending on age, of course, um... But everyone had a job to do, and I think you you alluded to it earlier. Um, if the kids can see that the parents think they're in control, because I don't know that we ever were, but anyway, uh, but if they can see that we're, we're calm and we've got a, and got a plan and they've got a plan and they've got a job to do, um, yeah, they're, they're reassured, I think. And because the other thing we always used to think of was that if we had a house fire in the middle of the night, uh, we were, we were, we are a long way from, um, services and stuff, so we used to sort of have to go through the kids what to do in a two-storey home. Um,
0: yeah, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Jen, what were the jobs that you gave your four kids?
7: Uh, as little, like when they were young, um, you've got to fill up the bath with water and get every towel out of the cupboard, wet the towels, and like this was, say, between two of them when um, the younger two in lower primary school... Uh, you know, roll up the towels and put them on the base of every door and every window. Um, uh, as kids get older, you know, get the animals out, free up gates, free, let the chooks out. You know, just just whatever mm. is age appropriate.
1: And Jan, I hate to ask this, but have you ever had to yeah. put that plan into action?
7: Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And how did it go? Uh, yeah, Um. Uh, wind change at the last moment. <laughs> did you find that that helped with the kids and the level of fear and anxiety? Like they were, okay, well, we've practised this, we've done the drills, so I know what my job is, um, wants to fill up the bath, or did it, when crunch came to crunch, did it not work? Yes. Oh, no, not worked. It worked really well,
7: actually. Um, yeah, no, it worked really well. And, and the the one fire that came really close to us, our eldest two kids were coming home from a camp, it was a Friday they were coming home for a camp from Melbourne and um, I remember reading the, the headmaster and saying, the principal that was on the trip, saying, oh, look, prepare the kids because do you you realise that houses are burnt down. They'll see that. And, oh, God, we knew what was happening but we didn't even think about that because so, mm-hmm. um, I'm in education. So I thought, you do all those risk uh, management stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, it, I think, and, and it's interesting, my four kids are now... Growing up, and two of them are involved in firefighting. Oh, wow. um, my baby, the baby of the family, um, has wanted to be a firefighter from the day dot, and and had I reckon had every Lego truck, <laughs> and fire trucks around Australia. Like he's he's just been so well, uh, it's just been such an important role and an important factor in
8: his life, for his whole life
1: that he, you know, it's now going to be his career. That's wow, what he wants. and then the entire community gets to benefit from that. Jan, that was just such an incredible story. Thank you. Bryony, every child has a job to play. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's really
3: important to recognise that children, are uh, they have their own things that they value or that they see as important. So, you know, even... When we're talking about things like packing a go bag or an emergency kit for leaving on those high uh, fire danger days or even in response to a bushfire emergency warning that there are things that the children will want to take and if we don't have Mm -hmm. that discussion with them in advance of actually being under pressure (laughs) and being in that really stressful situation of having to respond to an emergency then that's just going to create um a whole situation for everybody there was actually a really um interesting story that i heard from a mother in Malacuta uh, after the 2019 2020 bushfires and as they were evacuating their house her daughter said what about the fish and yeah. she refused to leave the house without the fish and it created a very stressful situation where the mother and the daughter are having an argument in the lounge room about this fish. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh. About the fish. And we know that, yeah, that, that pets are really at the top of children's
1: lists of, of things that they want to take. Or a security teddy, right? And so that security teddy mightn't yep. always be able to be in the bag because that security teddy's going to be in the bed most nights mm-hmm. and be wherever. But what's your backup security? You know, who's number two favourite? Let's keep them in the bag so that if we ever need to go last minute that you've got to... You've got that comfort toy, yeah. Yeah,
3: one of the things that some um, children at Harkaway Primary School that we work a lot with came up with was that yes, those things that you really do love and that you, yeah, your favourite toys, you're playing with those all the time. So in your in your go bag or in your emergency kit, have a list of those things so you, and so you can get them really really quickly if you need to. Hmm.
0: Really important to hear. Also, I guess it's really interesting how succinct and. Re- Kids are really spot on with these things. They're very perceptive and having that discussion with them really empowers the plan. That was the voice of Bryony Towers you were hearing, founder and co-director of Leader. There's a little bit of love for you on the text line as well, Bryony. (laughs) You're an incredible researcher in person. Ben in Brunswick has texted in saying he did his undergraduate internship with you, which inspired him into the field of research. He says, completely changed my perspective on the capacity of children and how I conceptualise disasters. I've just completed my master's and I'm about to undertake a PhD in the disaster risk reduction following in Briny's footsteps. Thank you, BR.
3: That's Ben (laughs) Hooper. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Ben.
0: We had to get that shout-out in. Um, Plenty of calls still coming. Christy has given us a call from Northcote. Good morning, Christy. Good
8: morning. I was just about the Red Cross service that they provide. Um, They provide a pillowcase talk for emergency um, services outreach as their volunteer program. So they come into schools and talk about what would you put in your pillowcase um, if you had an emergency and had to leave the house quickly. Um, And I think that that's kind of... They they roll it out for junior primary school kids and kindergarten kids. And it's not only for rural kids, but it's for those who live on the urban fringe or in the context of a house fire um, or a flood... Um, really in any context of an emergency of what would you put in your pillowcase because you're asleep, it's happened at night or even if it's not during the day, what would you shove into your pillowcase that would fit in the car with whatever the rest of the family has taken and having grown up during the 82 bushfires and had multiple parental arguments about (laughs) our family, lack of planning (laughs) um, and then volunteering for them doing this, it's just a wonderful program because as a child in the 82 bushfires it was really stressful experience having mum and dad not having a plan yeah. because dad was off fighting fires for the CFA and us not really knowing
1: what we and do. And I've that, heard that story so many times, Christy, where it's the kids that are pushing mum and dad to get organised, even as older kids or as young children. And so often at school, the kids are getting that education and then bringing it home and trying to educate mm. their parents. But sometimes that fight will be ongoing and forever, won't it, with your folks to be able to say, where's your plan? What is your plan? You need to have a plan. And I think being able to lean on those resources like the Red Cross that we have. Christy, thank you. There are a lot of resources around that we can help, whether it be, say, the book that's being read today, A Camping Trip Takes a Turn, or whether it be the Red Cross and the Pillowcase analogy.
3: Yeah, so the Pillowcase Project is a beautiful project that's delivered by Red Cross volunteers. And I think, um, yeah, that, that really... Yeah, it raises the issue around the value of actually having um, emergency services, volunteers, Red Cross volunteers coming into the school and engaging with the students and supporting the teachers um, to design and deliver programs that are contextually relevant and appropriate for their for their students and I think that's something that we always really emphasize is that disaster risk reduction education for children in schools schools are really important but it's not their sole responsibility there's a big thing in victorian emergency management policy now around shared responsibility Mm. and we know that the best outcomes in schools come when there are community partnerships between emergency services or the red cross or other community organizations who work um yeah in collaboration with the school and give the kids the access to that expertise
1: hence why emergency management victoria are at tulu today at the primary school because also so those kids are going to feel super proud that oh, there's yeah. a big focus on that school that's their school that's their domain and that's where the warning systems are being launched today. and we know
0: this is absolutely something that stays with kids for a long long time like a, one of our earlier callers said it inspired one of their children to be a firefighter mm. and they're now doing that work we know this isn't just a victorian thing though Catherine has given us a call from western australia where there are bushfires at the moment Catherine, thanks for giving us a call this is obviously something that's pretty close to your heart
9: uh, yeah, and we're facing. Well, we've we've got within 160k of where we are. Five out of control bushfires in national parks, scrubland, etc., and it's threatening the main highways and everything. But when the big fires were happening in Perth four of us neighbors in a row and that's a retired couple a couple with babies and the other two had children between five and 14. We're listening to the news and we talked about it and we decided okay let's choose an address in that fire area tune into the local ABC and let's act like we're living there and let's prepare.
1: Oh great.
9: And we did it for the whole weekend and it meant going without an air con at 39 degrees um and everybody, and suddenly people realized they didn't know where all their imported documents were. They, this, And for a start, we had a rush. Let's get everything out we've got to take. Well, guess what? It didn't fit in the cars. Yeah. Oh. And all this. And so we, but we lived with it for the whole, for 48 hours. And who needed help? The family with the three under four and yeah. the elderly couple and all of this thing. And we all now know. And you found that when you added the pets, you then had to take something else out of the car.
0: What an amazing and test run, oh, Catherine. No, Does, I, do I you can't f-
1: believe that. It's so great. You must feel a lot a more a empowered a now. Weekend,
9: yeah. Yeah, for a whole weekend living it. And at the Saturday lunchtime, the guy who'd taken the head said, Right, we've just lost electricity.
1: Did anyone and quit and walk their out their and say, No, nah, I'm going back home? <laughs> <Did> <laughs> they-
9: <laughs> no, we didn't. But it was 43 degrees here. And then it was, how often do you open the fridge? Don't touch the freezer. Don't do this, don't do that, you know? And next people are going, my, my phone's gone flat. What do I do now?
1: And How much has that changed the- your preparation and your friends and family's preparation for a potential disaster now, Catherine, given that you oh. sort of did that simulation for a weekend?
9: Well, we all know we've now got what we need in a pile we know where the important things are and not only that we also know the help that each of our neighbors need because the family with three under four they can't look after their kids and do that at the same time
1: Catherine, i'm so impressed it really is next level incredible have you ever heard brianie of i mean that's a sort of a role play over the period of a weekend. But that's going to hit home, doesn't it? All of a sudden, the stuff doesn't fit in the car. And, okay, well, Mm. if you want to take the fish, then something else has got to make space for that, the reality of what that disaster preparedness looks like.
3: Yeah, and yeah that sounds extraordinary what they the links that they went to to actually test out their their systems and and processes but we yeah we know that practicing is really important for for children just because they do recognize problems and this is really important in school emergency management as well we've just been doing some work up in the Dandenongs with a high school up in the Dandenongs and, and working with the students there to find out like how they understand their school bushfire plan and they're identifying issues that that none of us you know, with, with, you know, so-called expertise in emergency management would have identified. And I think that's the value of actually tuning into community.
1: And the idea, as you say, kids might actually ask those questions that we hadn't thought about. A text came in very early on It says we continually underestimate children and what they're capable of. But another that's just come in saying this is such a great program, ReFire, but can we also please talk about very different scenarios of city families going on holidays in fire-prone areas? I can't see us needing a fire plan at home in inner-city Melbourne, but my kids would be devastated if we had to cancel our planned week at the beach. There are some different issues for city families Is holidaying to the bush that you haven't covered. P.S. It was my son who asked the corona cast question about cats and dogs, so we're big on these discussions in our house. I mean, this whole book that's being launched today is about a holiday, so it's called "A Camping Trip Takes a Turn." So this conversation isn't just for people that live in regional and, and rural areas; it's for people that go on holidays where that holiday may take a turn. Is yeah. that something needs to be discussed?
3: Yeah, yes, please. Let's talk about let's talk about the city kids. I, I recently spent a day at Brunswick North Primary School. Um, with the children there, the grade five, six students running little workshops around fuel management as part of their environmental education. And it was really interesting talking to those students and just how much bushfire, especially those 2019, 2020 bushfires impacted them personally. So they had family members that they were separated from that they couldn't contact. Um, they do have grandparents living in you know places like Bucken and you know Sugginbuggin and really <laughs> (laughs) isolated um very high bushfire risk places and so yeah we really do need to be talking to city kids about this as well because this is victoria Absolutely.
1: Everywhere is high bushfire risk. Yeah, absolutely.
10: On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria.
1: This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Daniel Miles, your co host this morning, joining you from ABC Warnable. And our studio guest is Bryony Towers, who's the founder and the co director of Leader. Bryony's a socio cultural psychologist and specialises in risk communication. And Beck Simmons is the ABC Gippsland reporter who today is out at Tullu Primary School, which is in Gippsland. Sort of in and around that sort of lake entrance, Lake Tyre area. A gorgeous tiny primary school of 140 kids. And Beck, you've got people from all parts of the community there with you today as a part of this fire management launch. Who do you have with you at the moment?
4: sure do. Look, I've got Charmaine Sellings with me at the moment. She's from the Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust Fire Brigade, known as the Bunjil CFA Brigade. You might remember seeing a beautiful video years ago put put together by one of our colleagues. They were the first all-female firefighting crew, I think in Australia, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, But now they've had some men join which is great as well. Um, (coughs) Sorry Charmaine, can you hear everything okay? I can't eat nothing. Okay, right. Well, I'll turn you up uh, and we'll get that sorted. But Charmaine Sellings, you've been... Uh, sorry, we're just, we're just fixing the headphones here yeah, you for a sec. Yeah, look, Charmaine, you're a Kernai woman. You live out there at the Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust, which isn't that far away from here. Tell me about your brigade.
11: Uh, we started back... 23 years ago, and um, we've had uh, the all-women's fire crew. I started off with bushfires out there, and um, we were having them practically every weekend. So um, there was an incident where the police and the CFA got together with the CEO at the Trust, and we, um, I walked in uh, um, and I said, oh, well, I'll get a crew together. Um, then it was, no, you won't. Um, but they realised I was dead serious. <laughs> I had the crew of women the next day and ringing District 11 up and saying, well, I've got my crew, when can we start?
4: Oh, fantastic. Um, and what was the training like to get into that? It was... I mean, it's actually, more than just pointing a hose. Um, there
11: were some training where you had to study the books and stuff like that. But um, when you're out there doing uh, um, hands-on training, um, it was actually fun. Um, <laughs> We had a ball um, and uh, somebody said that uh, you probably won't do it for at least a year because you've got to get right into that training and we done it in six months.
4: Oh, fantastic. Um, Now, you're a woman of many hats. You're a ranger out there. You teach cultural heritage. You're also part of the local footy club. You're a volunteer out there. Um, How's everybody feeling in the lead-up to the fire season?
11: At the moment, due to what happened with the uh, 2019-2020 fires, we were evacuated too. I don't see any reason why we were evacuated. Um, our area never got burnt, but um, right now um, the community community doesn't want to leave. Um, we are having a relief really centre built out there, um, and it's um, at the moment we've got only the uh, four. Um, uh, volunteers at the moment. Um, but overnight, there's only three of us. Okay. Um, we have got new trainees ready to start, um, and once they're trained up. Um, but it is looking very hectic. Um, mm. We're all um, mm. practically walking on eggshells because of our area hasn't been touched yet, mm. um, and. So a lot of fuel out there is really putting us um, out there and plus um, Tuluwa and Lake Tyres, um, some areas that hasn't been burnt um, right from Lake Entrance to now or okay. maybe further mm. um, that hasn't been um, burnt yet. So we're all um, walking on eggshells, yeah.
1: Beck, thank you so much. That's Beck Simmons there, who's an ABC Gippsland reporter who's been down there and a part of the launch today at Tulu Primary School. And she was speaking there with Sharman Selling, who's an Indigenous local ranger with the local CFA fire brigade. We're talking about how do you discuss and how do you have conversations about being fire ready with your children? And how do you really think about and understand how much they already know and what they may be thinking? king someone whose life is dedicated to this is Matt Gardner he's the CEO of 54 reasons at save the children and that's the australian services division of save the children and matt pretty much everything that you do at save the children has the lens of a child placed over it are we starting to get better do you think at being fire ready at having fire ready conversations and including the children
10: Hi, Rochelle, great to join you again, and um, yeah, thanks for the invitation. Um, But we, I mean, we are a child rights organisation, that is what we do, and and particularly in responding, uh, you know, throughout Victoria and in other states following the 2020 bushfires. I'd say that the level of awareness, that um, being able to focus on what children do experience, how they express themselves differently, and uh, and just how they can even comprehend uh, an event um, like a bushfire going through their whole community, the whole world that they know, um, you know that we we're getting better at that there's no doubt about it, but um, you know I think events like your coverage today and the launch are really important that we get uh, we keep getting better at it
0: matt what we've been talking about how to prepare children for natural disasters, but I guess another element of it is how do we talk to children once that natural disaster has concluded once bushfire has gone through a town and they face a very very different world to the one before this natural disaster we know that these things can have lasting impacts especially on young children how do we go about making sure that a natural disaster can be approached in a in a safe way with kids
10: yeah it's a really important point i guess uh you know the focus of our work and what we'd encourage you know parents and a school community uh the, the approach to take is about um don't be afraid to uh, you know, to, to talk about distress, you know, that the, these, these are worrying. Um, these are really worrying in the context of a child's um, world. And, uh, you know, if we address it when it's at the point of being a level of distress for them, then, you know, hopefully we can avert uh, that turning into something that is understood as being traumatic. So I guess, you know, our, our approach here and working with the whole school community is around uh, increasing uh, a child's ability to cope. You know, that's something we can actually affect. Um, And as parents, we
1: sort of want to say, don't worry about it. You know, don't stress about it. But the fact is they are, and that underestimates their emotions and the fears that are running through their head, Matt. So I think it's, and it's uncomfortable for us as parents, as carers, as grandparents to sit in that fear and sit Mm -hmm. in that stress. I'm going to make the relation back to COVID again. But kids were Mm -hmm. really, really scared. And if you said to them, don't worry about it, then you're totally underestimating Everything that
10: they're feeling. yeah, it's one of the um it's one of the really important points in understanding how to avoid um, children feeling anxious and adults for that matter, but uh, you know saying don't worry about it, everything will be okay. You know there's a level of comfort in that, but actually if you're dismissing a feeling that a child has, you can you can actually be uh, you know um, helping them to feel anxious. so you know we're better off understanding what is it that they what they know, what do they know, what are they hearing, what are the images that they're surrounded by, because there's a lot of that these days. Uh, you know, and just ask them, you know, sometimes we we think that as parents, we've got to jump in and give them the solution, give them the answer that we feel they need to be comforted. But um, but actually just asking children, what do they understand? What are they talking about at school? What do other kids know? So that we can be able to respond to what they're actually really feeling. What are they really worried about? And sometimes that's that they're not worried at all, and that's okay too. And then we can start talking about preparing in a way that's really proactive.
0: Matt, we're talking about this on the eve of the bushfire season with bushfires raging in many parts of the nation as it stands. This is a generation that's probably going to bear the impacts of this more frequently than we have as parents and grandparents. Does that make it, I guess, more important than ever to have these conversations in a safe way, given that this is a generation that's probably going to be uh, more... They're going to come into contact with natural disasters more than we may have, for example.
10: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they they will come into contact with it more often. We know that. Um, but also, they're hearing about it more. There there are more channels for them to hear about it. It's more of a, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of a, a political issue. It's a um, an issue for our world. So, it, it, they're surrounded by it. And so, you're absolutely right. It's about. It's not just a one-off conversation. It's not um, uh, it's not one event at school like this. Should be an ongoing, um, you know, conversation that parents do have. So I think you know we need to be honest with children. We need to be able to respond to where they're at developmentally. Um, respond to any of the I guess every family's different of course too so what's the family's level of stress or coping Mm. Uh, and just to invite an ongoing conversation about this so that um, you know it's not a one-off event because we all know that it's bushfire season now and uh You know, at other times it'll be flooding that they're worried about or, you know, all of the different events that can happen in a child's life and not just disasters.
1: And I have a feeling that as parents it will help us too and will help our anxiety level the more that we discuss it. Matt, you and your entire team do such incredible work. So thank you so much.
10: Thank you very much.
1: Matt Gardner, the CEO of 54 Reasons from Save the Children. Ken's in Mount Dandenong. Good morning. Good morning. What did you want to say?
2: Uh, I, I've uh, been teaching uh, the children at Mount Dandong Primary School for 48 years or thereabouts on fire safety of all sorts. Uh, I For bushfire wise, the first things that I come up with for them, and I did a, in sixth graders up there on Friday, is the fire danger rating. It's really, really important, I believe, that the kids know what the fire danger rating is. Anytime they go past one of those signs, and I ask them, first of all, where are the signs? They'll tell me where they are, mm. and then I explain to them that they need to just talk to their parents on their way to school. They go past one, they go, oh, the fire danger rating's gone up to so-and-so, and we should be careful now to do this and this and this. And that's one thing that I push into them right from the word go to make sure that they know what the weather's going to be like and, and uh, what their, their plan needs to go into, into gear. Mm. I sent them all home with a, a brochure from the CFA, or a little booklet actually, to uh, fill in all the uh, fire plans and stuff that they want to do. And Great. I'm hoping they've all done that. But unless so, you've done uh, it, you have
1: to think about it. Has yeah. it got easier over the years, Ken? Like, have you seen the education change in terms of what you say?
2: No, not particularly. Uh, yeah, look, there are lots of things now the CFA are doing that. that uh, you know, have come on and come on over the years uh, as far as brochures and all that sort of stuff go now. They just change every year and or every couple of years because of, of things changing as well. And in all that time, it's just a case of going over what what the new things are and the old things as well. The old things are the same anyway thank you you. keep going over that with the kids.
1: Thank you for sharing that and for the work that you do as well and we hope that you have a a really safe fire season this year. Really good to hear from you. Just finally, Briony Towers is the founder and co-director of LEADER. Brian is a socio-cultural psychologist that specialises in education for disaster risk reduction. Are we doing better, do you think, as a society? And is it the kind of the kids that are leading it?
3: Yep. <laughs> yeah. So the work that we've been doing over the last few years with uh, the Country Fire Authority and the Department of Environment and Climate Change, um, as part of their Safer Together program, is we've actually designed a program where the children are leading their own projects and we do provide them with a lot of kind of foundation knowledge and skills to kind of prepare them and enable them to do that but but yeah the way that we're educating children now is that they are taking the lead and when we let them lead and we support them to lead we're just in such a better place.
0: Mm -hmm. Are we underestimating the kids do you think Bryony?
3: I think so. I've always thought that. I started talking to children about bushfire risk in 2006, actually, um, as part of my PhD. And I have always believed that, yeah, that children have a really important role to play. And if we listen to them and amplify their voices and give them an opportunity to participate in decision making and planning, we're all going to be safer.
1: I love that you started this conversation by saying to them, let's have a curious conversation what do you already know and i think that's what i'll take with me because there's no point us jumping in to where we think the kids are at let them lead and let them tell us what they already know thank you so much for spending time with us today we really appreciate it thanks so much dan miles do you feel like you're prepared now i know your daughter's quite young but do you I'm feel not gonna like be
0: talking to her about it because uh, her Just... favorite words are nani nana mummy and daddy and they're not fire related <laughs> but it is an important reminder like I actually haven't redone a fire plan since becoming a father. So this is something completely different. So uh, I know what I'm doing when I get home. Let's put it that way.
1: Especially given that you have moved from the city to the country as well. You need to update that fire plan, my friend. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you next week. Sounds good. Don't forget the Conversation Hour is also a podcast. You can go to the ABC Listen app. You can download, you can subscribe. We've done lots of different shows on being fire prepared and also we've done lots of shows over the years on how to talk to kids when it comes to things like disasters. So you can go back through our Conversation Hour feed. Tomorrow we're talking the politics and the pricing of parking. Parking is big business. So why is it so complicated when it comes to parking? Until then, take care and speak soon.